It's interesting when you drive down the road on Sunday on the way to church, right? You see every sort of person. Uh, there are people who are still in their homes asleep, sleeping in, and I can relate to that. Sometimes I drive down the road and think to myself, I wouldn't mind still being asleep. But then you see people at the lake, or you see people at the river, or you, we, I, I drive over and buy a lake and a river, so I see all that. You may not. But you see people doing all sorts of activity, right? Nothing inherently wrong with that activity, but they're consumed in their daily affair of whatever they've decided to do. Um, sometimes when we drive by that, I wonder what has gone through their brain that morning or if anything at all towards God. Um, and I think about, you know, as I read through this text in Nehemiah, what he might have thought when he walked out and, and took notice to what was going on around him. And so, as we get ready to read this, I want us to think about uh, that this is uh, after the Babylonian captivity and uh, the exile, and they had come back, and this even happens after the rebuilding of the wall. Uh, and so, all that's taken place, but the people are not living any different than they were before. They've returned to the same lifestyle they had prior to captivity. And I think about how sometimes that's what we do. I remember 9-11 and there was like this great movement across the U.S. of people kind of pulling back from what they had been doing. But then it wasn't very long and they were what? Acting and doing the same things all over again. Let's take a look at what Nehemiah says and think about that, that this all happens after that captivity and then we'll, we'll look at what it says. So the scripture says, In those days I saw Judah people trading wine presses, or treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, and figs of all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them that on the Sabbath day they sold food Tyrenes also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil that they are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in a way, in this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? You, and now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut, and I gave order that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gate that no, that no load may be brought in on the Sabbath. Then the merchants and the sellers of all the wares lodged outside of Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? 
If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates and keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember, this is also in my favor. O oh my God, and spare me according to the greatness of thy steadfast love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray you bless the reading of your holy word. We pray, Father, that it would have its full effect in our lives and we would uh, not only hear it and be hearers of the word, but Father, we would apply it to our lives and live more holy, acceptable, and pleasing in your sight. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I couldn't help but as I read through this, kind of see that this is a cleansing of this particular sin that they were doing. Uh, Nehemiah was trying to change a habit that had happened and formed in their lives. So they had been exiled and God had brought this disaster on them and then now they've been given the opportunity to return and they've done some rebuilding and the first thing they do is just like we probably do in our lives is we go back to doing what we've always done. And so they had had a habit prior to exile of trading goods. And we find that they do return to it because we find out so when Jesus cleanses the temple, right? And so you know that all that still exists and, and happens, but at this time, Nehemiah recognizes that this is coming back in. It's becoming a problem all over again. And so he uh, takes matters into his own hands because he wants to cleanse the area here uh, and, and make sure they don't fall into this same sin. And I think we have the opportunity to read this and recognize some of these things. Uh, in, the, in the first section there, verses 15 and 16, if you're looking at that, uh, one thing I want you to recognize is they weren't doing anything that was particularly wrong. They were just doing daily activities. I mean, no worse than things that go on like when you drive down the road and Whataburger's open on Sunday morning, right? I mean, essentially, that's what they were doing. And you drive down the road and Walmart's open on Sunday morning. In fact, when Walmart's not open and it's Christmas morning, the whole world feels odd, doesn't it? <laughs> and you're kind of like, what's going on? And so imagine a time frame when you would have the entire city normally shut down and all of the attention not be focused on the day-to-day -day affairs but be focused on the Lord. I mean, that's what you would like to happen in your church, right? You get in your church, you get in the pulpit, you start to preach and you tell people the Word of God and they listen. That's what all of you are here for, right? You're going to school so you'll be able to do that. I've been pastoring for 10 years and I'm going to tell you you're going to get in the pulpit and they're not all going to be there. Some of them are still taking care of business in their minds. And they're not focused on what you have to say because they haven't set aside the Lord's day for the Lord. You see what I'm saying? And we oftentimes do the same thing. 
I was going to tell y'all, so I will, I guess, in a sort of roundabout way, if you'll hang on to this bulletin, you can take it down to the local cafe, they'll give you 10% off on Sundays of your meal. <laughs> Any of y'all have that go on around your church? That's a joke. Uh, but the simple fact is, the simple fact is, that happens, right? And they advertise it like they're doing you, you, you Christians and, and, and your church members a favor. But the simple fact is they're just trying to lure you in on the Sabbath to break God's law. So the idea here is this. He says in verse 16 that these tyrants also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and they sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Jerusalem I mean of Judah in Jerusalem itself. And my statement is this. Knowing the context of where this falls and what has happened to these people, we need to recognize that we, and just like they, don't need to return to the same lifestyle. And I say that because at one time, you were an unbeliever. And you didn't worship the Lord on the Sabbath. And you didn't know who God was. And He wasn't important to you. And we do that when we don't honor Him on the Lord's day. We are returning back just like a pagan person. And so, don't be like that. God has redeemed you through the blood of Jesus for the reason that you would honor and glorify Him. Don't rob from Him the one in seven days that He asked you to, to worship Him and put Him before all other things in that way. So, uh, second thing I want you to see this morning comes out of verse 17 and 18. It says this, that then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing that you are doing profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers also in this way act in this way? And did not our God Bring all this disaster on us and on this city. Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So what I see him saying here is, is simply this concept. Don't compromise. That's what they had done. They had gone back to the very thing they were doing before. They had compromised the very thing that they had been in trouble with the Lord for. They returned to immediately. I mean, it was, it was hardly any time had passed. And they had returned to the very disobedient lifestyle that they had already been walking in. And so uh, he sees this and he, he warns them of it. And I think it's interesting because he doesn't just warn a few people or unimportant people, but he, uh, he uh, warns the noble people, uh, the people of stature who are in the city and doing all the trading. But he doesn't just warn them, he confronts them head on. And the idea being that we also should be confronting our sin is what I would like us to take away from this. The very sin of breaking the Sabbath that we do on an ongoing basis. We like to make nice of it and play like it doesn't exist. 
And to be honest with you, when Dr. Holmes assigned me this, I thought he's ornery because he's trying to make me face myself. <laughs> and the simple fact is it's true. Because if you start looking at what you do with your time on the Sabbath, you start to understand how much of it is not really focused on God, but it's focused on self. And it's focused on whatever it is you need to do around the house. Right? It's focused on getting all the laundry washed up. Or getting the yard mowed. Or whatever it happens to be. Finishing a project you were working on. Since a lot of you are students, it might be focused on getting in the paper for Dr. Parsons' class. Right? And so you spend your time doing things that aren't what the Word of God has told you to do. Yeah, I'm guilty. I've done it. And so over the last few weeks I've been working on not doing it. Making conscious decisions and confronting myself. Right? Look at verse 19. He says this. He goes on and says, As soon as it began to grow dark, so he didn't just confront the sin, as soon as it began to grow dark, at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and I gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed my servants at the gate that my load might not be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now it's interesting here because before the Sabbath day even gets all the way going, he's preparing for the Sabbath day. And not preparing just for the worship, but he's preparing so that it doesn't get interrupted. He's stopping the people from entering the city before the time hits so that he doesn't have that problem. And I would say it this way maybe. Stop the sin of breaking the Sabbath dead in its tracks. And that's what he did. He just put an end to it immediately. He didn't send out a decree and say, hey, in three weeks, we're going to stop having Sabbath trading here on the, on the grounds. You can imagine, people were traveling in, showed up to the city, and he had already locked the gate. There was no warning. I'm just telling you, stop sin dead in its tracks. Especially the sin of breaking the Lord's Sabbath. And finally, towards the end here, verses 20 through 22, he says this, Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them, and I said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? For you do so again... I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so, you see in this little section of the, of the pericope that he's trying to stop them from getting in, and, and he has, essentially, but the world persists. And it waits. And it reminds me of, uh, in Genesis, 
when God warns him that sin is crouching at the door, waiting to devour him. And he didn't listen, right? And here, Nehemiah, he, he's got it. And so he puts an end to it, and he's not going to let them back in the city. And he goes out and he says, if you even come back and camp, basically he says, I'm going to beat you down. <laughs> right? And I would think that's his character as a matter of a fact. I come into Dr. Holmes' office yesterday, I told him, after this, he goes on to talk about marrying former, uh, foreign women, and he tells him that he beat them, and then he pulled out their hair. So the point is, when we're confronted with all this sin in all of our lives, and, and it's common that we, get, that, that we want to figure out some way to use that time. It's, it's a very, very common idea to us because it's slothfulness to be lazy, right? But yet we fill our Sabbath day with all sorts of activity that isn't what God has prescribed. I would say this, that even once you stop the sin dead in its tracks, you have to remain watchful and guard yourself so you don't fall back into breaking the Sabbath. It's a very easy thing because it's just normal activity. It's not like you're doing something heinous, but you're doing something at a time when you were asked not to do it. And here's the biggest problem. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to win. You can't keep the Sabbath. He knew this when he wrote it. And surely you know it too when you think about your own sinful nature, right? That's why he goes on to write, and remember this also in my favor. Oh my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. As he goes on to say those things because he wants God to remember him beyond this because he knew they weren't going to keep it. And the simple fact is neither are you in your own good works. You may strive and you may work hard and that's a good thing. I think the text clearly gives us the idea we should be striving to keep the Sabbath. But, we ultimately need something more, right? And we have something more, something they didn't have. You see, Nehemiah knew they couldn't obey and keep the Sabbath holy. Neither can we, but we have Christ. We have the indwelling of a Holy Spirit. We have something greater than they had. And so, we have an ability that's beyond our own selves. We have forgiveness and we have grace and we have being able to count on Christ and not our own selves. My purpose this day is simply to make you not change your idea because I know there are lots of people who think that you can do things on the Sabbath as long as you show up to church, as long as you read your Bible, as long as you say some prayers. But the simple fact is, God took a rest and He didn't need it. 
Don't you think if He orchestrated all that for you, you probably do need it. And it would probably be to your great benefit. So work hard. I know that sounds odd at taking a rest. You see what I'm saying? Let's go to the Lord in prayer.